Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Okay, so what uh, what caught your attention yesterday, or what is catching your attention today? Um, I actually have a friend who aggregates a list of things that um, uh, that that caught or are catching her attention. Um, one of the things that uh, that caught um, Catherine's attention is the Pope denouncing the quote unimaginable unimaginable hell of Libyan migrant camps. Um, that's one of those things that any time you see a uh, a theological word used in a headline, um, you ought to ponder it, lift it up, consider it. Um, you ought to see why it is that um, we're talking about that, why somebody is using that terminology. Um, Catherine's attention was also caught by uh, headlines related to religious liberty. We have talked about many of those on air this week. She's also uh, concerned about challenges that are being faced by Christianity in Iraq. That is, uh, that is a headline to which we turned our attention a number of years ago, but I will say we've probably been largely distracted from it. Um, she's concerned about refugees, um, on and on and on. Um, the prospect of death. Death cafes. This is one of those uh, things that we talked about uh, some time ago in the past that my attention has been renewed renewed to of of late and then there's this today in history today in history on this day in history emperor roman emperor hadrian died that's right roman emperor hadrian um, who served as the emperor of rome from 117 to 138 died on this on this day in the year of our lord 138 so um hadrian rebuilt the pantheon uh, Hadrian um, had the Temple of Venus and the Temple of Roma constructed. Um, Hadrian maybe is best known for uh, ordering the construction of Hadrian's Wall, which marked the northern limit of uh, of the Roman Empire in what we call Britain, Great Britain. Um, Hadrian is regarded as one of the five so-called good emperors. Six months prior to his death, so in like February of 138, um, Hadrian actually adopted a 52-year-old man as his son. That 52-year-old man um, was uh, Antonius Pius. Antonius Pius, as the adopted son of Hadrian, upon Hadrian's death on this date in 138, then became... Uh, Hadrian's successor as the Emperor of Rome. Um, Emperor Pius is actually remembered as reigning during Rome's greatest time of peace and prosperity. So here's a few observations. Um, History is long. Walls persist. Empires and nations rise and fall, even empires and nations as significant as Rome. God endures forever. Notably, we don't mark time by Hadrian, and we don't mark time by Pius. We don't mark time by any other fallen man. 
We mark time by Christ. Hadrian died on this day in the year of our Lord, 138. It is now the year of our Lord, 2020. I don't know, uh, 1,800 years from now, 1,900 years, my math is so bad. 2020 minus 138, whatever that is. However many years from now, that would be yet again. Um, will this day in history have enough significance to rise to the attention of the people of that day? Well, it will if someone today is introduced to Jesus, because eternity is changed by that. Life is changed by that. Culture is transformed by that. Cultures are renewed by that. And so let me just encourage you to consider this day, this day of the Lord, uh, July the 10th, 2020, and how it might be remembered. There is no Roman Emperor Hadrian building a wall today, but there are, um, there are headlines to which we could be applying the gospel. And so in this year of our Lord 2020, let us be making much of him. Next up, I've got Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families plugged in. We're going to talk about uh, Conway Yes run for the presidency. We're going to talk about Lady Annabellum becoming Lady A. We got all kinds of headlines to cover. We'll be right back. Music means Adam Holtz is in the house. You can find him at PluggedIn.com, which is a ministry of Focus on the Family. Adam, welcome back. Carmen, always great to talk to you on a Friday morning. That's always great. All right, you got a couple of reviews for us. Let's start with Greyhound. The bus Greyhound. company or the dog? You know, I've been using that line all week, and oh. the answer is C, none of the above. Oh, uh, Greyhound. Okay. Greyhound is a war movie starring Tom Hanks, and uh, we all know that Tom Hanks excels at war movies. This one is no exception. He plays Commander Ernest Krauss, who has the unenviable task of uh, commanding a destroyer group that has to escort ships across the Atlantic during World War II. And, of course, we know that the German U-boats were lurking there. That's what submarines do. They lurk. Uh, perhaps nothing lurks as well as a submarine. And, uh, and this, uh, it's a war movie, you know, it's a game of, of cat and mouse and I guess dog. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I made myself laugh there. Uh, <laughs> I love this movie. I mean, it really, it's a terrific movie. It's PG 13. There's one harsh profanity, but other than that, it's really restrained, uh, in terms of its content. We have a little bit of violence, but even that, you know, we're nowhere near the kind of R rated war movie territory that we seems like we've seen a lot of the last few years. And uh, Hank's character is a man of deep faith, and we see how his Christian convictions shape uh, how he prays for direction, how he prays for protection. Um, it's a terrific movie. I mean, you just think Tom Hanks lives a charmed life. He wakes up, and people send him these amazing scripts, and he makes these movies. And I should also, I should also note it's on Apple TV+. Plus. It was supposed to be in theaters, but Sony got tired of waiting for them to reopen and sold it to Apple. So there you go. All right, so um, that's Greyhound, Four Kids and It. 
Yeah, Four Kids in It is a movie that is streaming. It came out uh, last week. This is a, a really under-the-radar movie, and it, um, on one hand, is a kind of magical, whimsical movie. On another hand, it, it's a fairly deep um, meditation might be too strong a word, reflection on the reality of how hard it is to go through divorce. So it's about two single parents. They each have two kids. They start dating and they want to introduce their kids to each other because they think the relationship has a future. And so they take them to a, a, a vacation home on the British coast. It's set in Great Britain. And the kids are not thrilled about both of their parents, you know, feeling like they're being replaced by this new person. And they wander down to the beach angrily. And there they meet a magical bunny-like creature named Sammy Ed who grants one wish a day. And so it, it gets a little bit Jumanji at this point or almost even Harry Potterish, because, you know, they ask for things like, you know, I want to be able to fly for the day. I want to be a rock star for the day. But then they begin to think about, you know, can we wish for the things that happened to us to be different? But in the process, they realize that this new thing that's happening with their blended family is really pretty beautiful. So it's a it's a gentle movie. Other than the magic stuff, there's really no content here at all uh, other than the, the two single people kissing a lot, but not in a particularly explicit way. Uh, and I think it's a reminder of how much kids need stability and how much, you know, those who are trying to blend families have a huge challenge in front of them because their kids have so much baggage from the parent that's no longer around. Okay, so those are both um, recommendations. I appreciate that. I like it when you show yeah. up with stuff that we can, uh, we, we can in good faith go and see. So you guys can yes. find reviews for both Greyhound and Four Kids and It at PluggedIn.com. When we come back, I'm going to ask for Adam Holtz to explain how um, the, the, the Wakanda nation in the movie Black Panther may actually be the political platform of a presidential candidate. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, so if you remember the movie Black Panther, you might recall that the mythical nation of Wakanda was um, powered by a heart-shaped herb. And actually, that Wakanda plant granted enhanced abilities um, linking each Black Panther, who was the leader of Wakanda, uh, linking that individual spiritually to the Panther god, Bast. Um, okay, so why why uh, talk about that today? Well, because Kanye West, who um, fancies himself the next president of the United States, um, is launching something called the Birthday Party and uh, inviting people to join the Birthday Party and vote for him in the 2020 election. Um, and uh, and says that his plan would be to have a government like the mythical nation of Wakanda. I felt like this was a good topic for Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In. Oh, man. I mean, how much time do we have? Uh, I know. I'm so tempted so, to say, what what say ye? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So um, I've just been reading through some of the things Kanye has been saying about his potential presidential bid. And I say potential because I think the jury is still out over – is this a joke? Is it right? A he hasn't actually stunt? filed yet in in, in right. a sufficient right. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, is this an attempt to sell albums because he wants more money? Now, that's the cynical view. Um, he came out and talked about Wakanda, and the quote about Wakanda is a bonkers stream of consciousness uh, run on sentence. You know, I'm gonna. He says, I'm gonna use the framework of Wakanda right now because it's the best explanation of what our design group is going to feel like in the White House. That that is a positive idea. You got Kanye West, one of the most powerful <laughs> humans. I'm not saying the most because you got an alien, a lot of alien level superpowers. I like it that he has a design group for the White House. That sounds yeah. positive. So, okay, this feels like the Kanye West we know and love. The guy is—he's just got ideas. I'm trying to—I'm trying to say it in a way that it's respectful and not dismissive. But here is the thing that gives me pause because I—I'm still looking for a category to put this in. Most of the rest of what he has talked about, he's talking about God and Jesus all over the place. Now, again, you can say maybe Kanye is not really hearing from God and we don't need to take that seriously. But I mean, the guy can't stop talking about God and Jesus. And uh, it's pretty interesting, um, you know, what we do with that. You know, he says on taxes, I'm looking at an article in Forbes. I haven't done enough research on yet on that. I will research that with the strongest experts that serve God and come back with the best solution on prayer in schools. Reinstate in God's state, in God's country, the fear and love of God in all schools and organizations, and you will cheer fear, chill the fear and love of everything else. So that was a plan by the devil to have our kids committing suicide. Again, you know, he it's just kind of stream of consciousness, right? Um, he had really harsh things to say about Planned Parenthood. Um, he's staunchly pro-life. And so as I sit back and look at this, um, he's a total category buster. I don't know how serious he is, but he seems to be taking himself very seriously. Uh, and four years ago, we would have just laughed. But these days, I think he may get a hearing among people who wouldn't have you know, done anything but chuckle four years ago. You know, on abortion, he says, I'm pro-life because I'm following the word of the Bible. Man, that's pretty refreshing. I'm not saying I'm going to vote for him, but it's about as blunt and straightforward as it could be. So I guess we will just have to wait and see how this plays out. Uh, it's At the very least, it's a, a pretty interesting thing to talk about. It is a fascinating conversation topic. It's provocative um, he is a prolific ideator, and I do appreciate yes. that about him. Um, and and then I also appreciate because, I mean, you know this about people who have a relatively newfound um, experience of conversion. They they their their transformation is so fresh. They um, yeah. they are so personally compelled by the gospel and what it has done in them that they they feel totally free to be yeah. this this expressive. He is absolutely straightforward in his condemnation of Planned Parenthood and abortion based on a biblical understanding of life. He is a very forthright um, on uh, on saying that, you know, God belongs in our public spaces um, and any effort to uh, drive God out of public spaces is is literally he uses this language, the work of the devil. Um, yeah. He is he is elevating a spiritual conversation in the midst of this election cycle that um, that others are not necessarily um, quite so 
publicly passionate about. And right. so I, I do think, I mean, I'm, I have been um, sort of joyfully imagining what a debate might look like with oh, three man. people on the stage instead of two and Kanye West being the third person. Oh. And I'm thinking to myself, he steals what? the show. There's no oh, question he, he steals that show. Uh, yeah, he does. I mean, it it feels like some kind of alternate universe, except that it's real, <laughs> except that it's and, real. Yeah. And and Kanye seems to be incredibly earnest, as you're saying, in what he is saying about God and about Jesus. And that's incredible. And I guess we'll just we'll just have to wait and see how it plays out. All right. So one more um um, you know what? I mean, we could talk about Lady A. We we yeah. could talk about uh, this Paris Jackson business. Um, but I think that this this one this one that you guys have at FocusOnTheFamily dot com at Plugged In um, about cyber criminals using family movies to target new victims. Um, I definitely oh. want to highlight that before you go. So let's do that one. So uh, we did a blog uh, last week, actually, about how whatever is popular in the culture. Cyber criminals pretty much latch onto that as kind of a Trojan horse. And this is not talking about if you have a subscription service like Netflix or Apple Plus or any of the other ones. It's saying when you get advertisements or enticements to watch something for free that's popular, like, say, Frozen or Frozen 2, um, your kids may not have the wisdom to know that's probably a scam. So... Um, these, these scam artists follow along in the pop culture and they offer what's what's happening out there for free. And, you know, people trying to save money right now during COVID, people who don't really know how deceptive the Internet can be. Um, it's just a reminder that there are bad folks out there. They want access to your information. They uh, are unashamedly willing to go after your kids. And we don't have to live in fear, but we do need to be wise and we do need to help our kids really understand that if something looks like it's too good to be true online, it is, and we need to avoid it. Um, this is a little scary. I mean, I, I just think that this is a little scary. Yeah, I don't, I don't, know, it, I don't like, I don't, I don't like that world. No, I don't like that world either. And you know, without going into detail, my son had an anonymous person send him something incredibly inappropriate. Mm. And I mean, we're, we're engaged, we're watching, uh, you know, we're really trying to do this right. But I think that we have to recognize as parents that our kids are interacting in a world that even when we put safeguards in place, um, it may not always be enough to protect them on a case by case basis. But if we have relationship with them, we have conversations, right? We keep talking about what's happening, about how the choices they're making, and and we do our best to to mitigate that damage and to help them understand how to be wise because it's not going to stop when they grow up. You know, it's not like something magically changes when they turn 18. So I hate that world too on a lot of levels, and I hate what happened to our family, uh, yeah. to my son particularly. I'm so sorry. But but I think it was an opportunity for us to have a really serious conversation about the fact that there's nasty stuff out there. So, mm -hmm. uh, again, it feels like innocence got punctured somewhat, um, but most families are going to have to walk through that in one form or another at some point, and I think we need to be really wise about that. 
That is Adam Holtz. He serves with the Ministry of Focus on the Family at Plugged In. You can find it at PluggedIn.com. We are talking here at the very end about a blog posted there, Cyber Criminals Targeting Families are using family movies to target new victims. Um, I really encourage you guys to read that and um, and armor up as a family. Uh, Adam, thank you as always so much for joining us. Thank you, Carmen. We got to take a very brief break for Breakpoint. Sometimes suffering lingers. Sometimes we experience what we might call long-suffering. K.J. Ramsey uh, shares with us today her reflections on finding grace when suffering lingers. The book is This Too Shall Last, and K.J. will be with me in just a moment. Calamities can leave us off balance and confused. This is Max Licato. Consider the crisis of Joseph's generation as recorded in Genesis 47. Now there was no bread in all the land, for the famine was very severe, so that the land of Canaan languished because of the famine. Joseph faced a calamity on a global scale. Joseph told his brothers, God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years the famine has been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting, and God sent me before you. Joseph began and ended his crisis with God. God preceded the famine. God would outlive the famine. How would you describe your crisis? Do you recite your woes more naturally than you do heaven's strength? You're assuming God isn't in the crisis. He is. Even a famine was fair game for God's purpose. This is Max Licato. Joining me now, K.J. Ramsey. Uh, I want you to visit her online at kjramsey.com and across social media at K.J. Ramsey Writes. Um, K.J. is a therapist. She is uh, a writer. She describes herself as a recovering idealist. She's also the author of a new book, This Too Shall Last, Finding Grace When Suffering Lingers. K.J., welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. It's great to be with you, Carmen. So the book uh, is now out. You and I uh, spoke last um, in, in the lead up to its release. Um, I'm curious to know, as as people who have experienced chronic illness and, and long-term suffering have engaged with this material, what um, tell us a story about something you've heard. Ooh, that is a great question. Yeah, I there have been a lot of stories, and it's been so encouraging. I think the... The words that I have been most encouraged by from readers is just that the book has named for them what they've been experiencing but didn't have words for, and that it's it's making it more possible for them to share their experience with their family or their friends in a way that actually brings connection instead of more disappointment. So that's more of a across the board, there's been a lot of encouraging words like that that's it's really meant a lot to me. So um, for folks who are not familiar with your story, um, can you just share with them? I mean, you've you've experienced chronic illness. Um, and when this conversation, I think, started, you, like the rest of us, 
um, were thinking that you would get over it, that there would be an uh, there would be an antidote, that the suffering <clears throat> would end. Um, and you learned something very different along the way. Right. Yeah. So I live with ankylosing spondylitis, AS, a autoimmune disease, and I've had it for 11 years. And like you said, Carmen, when I first got sick, I was 20 years old and it came out of nowhere. And I think like most of us, when something descends into our life like that, you you think that it's going to be short term and you pray for rescue and healing and relief. And and for me, that has not been the case, although there's been times that are better than others. But in those 11 years, I, I haven't had one day without physical pain. But I have found that it's in my pain and having to care for my body as it is now that I most can experience Jesus as with me. And and I don't know if I would have discovered that any other way. The book is This Too Shall Last, Finding Grace When Suffering Lingers. Um, if you are suffering um, and you suffer from chronic illness, you have a family member who suffers from chronic illness, um, if you, if you want to know how to receive God's presence that lasts in the midst of that, even as suffering lingers. Um, this is a book that uh, we want to make available to you. So if, if that's of interest to you, just text the word book to 877-933-2484. Again, you're just texting the word book to 877-933-2484. KJ, um, if, uh, if you could talk right now to a listener who is experiencing the um, the kind of depressive isolation that comes with uh, with long term suffering. Um, what's the what's the invitation to that individual in terms of opening themselves to the presence of God? So, the invitation to you who are are in the midst of despair, or darkness, because of suffering that just doesn't seem to go away, is that. God sees you and accepts you right where you are, that you don't have to lift yourself out of this cloud in order to be worthy of his love again, Uh, that because our God went to the absolute lengths of death and, and life and pain in a real body, where you are is not outside of his reach. And if if you could let yourself look to him from where you are, it the, the light will be there. Um, where you are is okay. That's where I would start. Starting where you are, I think that's, um, that, that's one of the huge lessons um, of this book, right? That I can't start from a place that I am not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't will myself or wish myself to be somewhere I am not. The opening chapter um, of the book, and again, the book is This Too Shall Last, Finding Grace When Suffering Lingers. Um, KJ, the opening chapter is, you know, is about dissonance. It's this, uh, the subhead, the clash of suffering in a crescendo culture. Um, we do not have a category in our culture for those who suffer long. <laughs> no, we don't. 
we do not. And it, and it causes so much shame and confusion when you do. Because when you suffer and it doesn't go away, and in a culture where we believe we can fix everything with just enough effort or money, you think that there is something deeply wrong with you. And, and that's not just broader American culture. That's evangelical Christian culture as well. So I believe it's incredibly important to name the suffering that stays so that we can start to see that perhaps it's not our fault <laughs> and, and perhaps there is a way forward with it along oh, that it goes with us. But yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. We don't have categories and it's to our absolute detriment. I am talking with author, writer, and therapist K.J. Ramsey. The book is This Too Shall Last, Finding Grace When Suffering Lingers. I want to encourage you to connect with K.J. via her website. It's a little bit of a one-stop shop there, kjramsey.com. Um, you, can, uh, you can sign up there for uh, a, a newsletter. You can um, begin listening to her podcast. And if you're interested in receiving a copy of the book, just text the word book to 877-933-2484. KJ and I will be right back. Continuing my conversation with KJ Ramsey. Her book is This Too Shall Last. Um, KJ, I'm going to ask this this question. I'm sh- I, I'm confident it's one you've heard before. What if the church treated suffering like a story to tell, rather than a secret to keep or something that we you know actively try to pray away? Mm-hmm. Thank you for giving me my own question. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. What if and what if we could share? our weaknesses? What if we believed, like Paul, that weakness is where Christ's power really is perfected? And so it's where we will see Jesus. What if we looked to the people around us who are struggling and hurting and stumbling and thought, this is where I will see God? I think everything would change. I think that we would be amazed by the love that meets us. And I think we would be connected to each other in a way that would heal our world. Um, I could go on and on, but there, there's so much possibility in the posture of bearing witness to each other's weakness rather than treating it only like a problem to solve. So it feels like um, because we have made an idol of health and wealth, um, we don't know how to honestly engage the reality of children who are born with problems, people who encounter um, challenges along life's way that are debilitating we don't know how to positively engage with people with disabilities. Um, we, are, we are weird and fearful around people mm. who are suffering. 
Why is that? Jesus was not weird, nor, 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 um, I mean, he wasn't weird around people who were suffering. That's, those are the people he seemed to, um, invite in, the people that he found himself drawn to. I think about the Gerasene demoniac. I mean, like, right? Jesus, I mean, if you read that passage, Jesus seems to intentionally make his way across that lake for that one encounter, and mm-hmm. then he makes his way back. That's it. He only goes over there to deal with that one guy who's in such yep. profound, uh, you know, uh, yeah, it, nobody else can deal with him. And so they have put him out and put him out and put him out. They have removed the suffering person as far as they can, as if suffering is catching. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I think what you just acknowledged is the heart of Jesus's healing ministry and the message of his kingdom, which is that he is always going to those who have been pushed out to the margins of both religion and its communities and our culture, the culture of his time. So when you had weakness, you, you, it's not just the physical experience of disease or poverty that pushes you to the side. It's the societal, um, you know, rejection of that person. And Jesus was always going to the people who had been pushed out and bringing them in. Part of the healing was not just the removal of the problem, but restoring them to community. And I think we, we like to think that we are not uh, recipients of the health and wealth gospel, that if you, you know, are in an average evangelical church, that's not what you actually believe. That's the people that are on the crazy TV shows. But really, we, we are more informed by a faith that rejects the physical and elevates the mental, the rational, than anything. And, and I think that's actually more of the root of our uh, discomfort and our lack of understanding of what to do when we personally suffer than, than almost anything. I want to highlight the uh, the restoration of community aspect of what you just talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, suffering is a very isolate. It doesn't matter what kind of suffering it is. Suffering is a very isolating experience. Um, talk with us about that, and and talk with us um, who are not in the midst of a of a particular variety of of suffering that maybe others are enduring. Um, talk with us about how we extend community um, or invite people back into community or restore community for people who are currently isolated by suffering? Mm -hmm. I love that question and I I love the heart behind it because it is what we who are suffering and those who are not need, uh, we who are suffering with things that don't go away or last a long time are demoralized by the experience itself. The experience of suffering is exhausting often. And and because the church doesn't really have adequate language and resources to name what this experience is like and what to do with it, often those in the church who are suffering suffer silently and experience a sense of absence from God and judgment about who they are uh, simply because they haven't been told a better story. And so those individuals, those families, 
need the presence of Christ's body to remind them that Jesus, they are the one to whom Jesus comes. So, so go to them like Jesus show up. There is nothing more powerful than just showing up and showing up with consistency and openness. And when you do show up to, to go to someone's house or, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic, go hang out in their backyard, like make, make a point to spend time with people or check in via text. But when that happens, know and expect that there will be an awkwardness and you won't know what to say and they won't know what to say and they might not even want to be seen as they are. And that's okay. There's, I I think there's nothing more um, powerful than the space where things are awkward and we really don't know what's here and how to navigate it. That is where the holiest, most beautiful love can be formed, I think. So embrace these awkward moments, but show up go across the lake like Jesus. We need you. That's the invitation today um, from K.J. Ramsey to each and every one of us. The book is This Too Shall Last, Finding Grace When Suffering Lingers. K.J.'s website uh, is kjramsey.com. You can also follow her across social media at K.J. Ramsey Writes. I encourage you to check out her podcast her newsletter. If you're interested in entering a drawing for one of the copies of her book that we have here in studio, just text the word book to 877-933-2484. KJ, as always, thank you so much for joining us today on Mornings with Carmen. Thank you. We'll be right back. All right, there is a a weekend before us. Curious to know what you are going to be doing with your weekend. Um, Thank you for those of us who, uh, thank those of us, thank you to those of you. um, It's those of us as well. I've been doing it as well. uh, For your continued prayers for my parents. I really do appreciate that. Several of you have reached out recently via the text line um, and, uh, and, and asked about them. So that is actually where I am headed this weekend. So thank you in advance for prayers for travel mercies, um, continued provision, ongoing patience, the way God does strengthen the body um, and restore fellowship. Thank you um, for praying that God would open windows of opportunity um, for conversations that sometimes, as KJ said, are awkward and hard to have. Um, sometimes when we are seeking to compel one another to love and good deeds, um, those are awkward conversations as well. So uh, thank you in advance for your ongoing prayers for me. I am, as always, praying for you. So thank you for joining me on this day, and thank you for uh, thank you for being um, people of faith, going forth into the world that God so loves to represent Christ in ways that that honor Him, that He would recognize. So let's be those people today in the midst of the world. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.